I received an email. Very interesting. Just just this morning, a friend, a real good friend of mine. No, no, no none of you here would know. And I, I think it was well-meaning. It was uh, one of these emails you get and read. You got to read to the end. It says right at the beginning. You got to read to the end. And uh, at the end, it says, "If you, an angel told me that if you answer this and." To one person, you'll have whatever you want to receive in a month. And if you answer it to five people and to, you know, it's one of those stupid things that I, I, I can't wait to delete. I cannot wait to delete because I don't want to bother anyone else with that message. But in the middle of it, this person said that um, they're a believer, but not a church-going believer. And I yelled at the screen, no, you're not. You're not a believer. A believer is a person that gathers together with other believers to do the things that God's called us to do. And if you are a believer, you are at best retarded in what you think and what you know. And that'll be God's grace. And I'm angry. I walked in here upset because I think we're so flippant about our faith. And Paul... Look what Paul's saying today. Turn to, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Look with me at verse 17. Paul wants to get so serious about what he is trying to teach us, telling us the very value of the church, how the church works together, how we are all needed. He says in verse 17, I, Paul, affirm together with the Lord. Hey, listen. He is saying, listen, you want to listen to me? Okay. Okay. You don't have to listen to me. But he says, I affirm this together with my Lord. You best listen. You best take heed, he is saying. You know, he started off this whole, this whole issue in chapter 4 by telling us that he is a prisoner. Remember? Let's not forget. Paul says, and forgive me if I get a little bit out. Well, no, don't. I'm ready to go. Forgive me. He says, I am a prisoner of the Lord. He says, but I've entreated you. In other words, I am begging with you. I am pleading with you. Walk. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. And now Paul says in verse 17, This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. Paul is teaching us a very important critical lesson and that is that we are needed within the family of god look what he said in verse 16 don't stop thinking about what paul is saying here let it all roll out together i know we can't cover everything in one week so we go from week to week to week but don't neglect what he's just said to us in verse 16 he is telling us look verse 16 the whole body is being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part which will cause the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So like it or not, your growth in Jesus Christ is directly affected by my participation. And my growth in Jesus Christ is directly affected by your participation. Both of us using the God-given gifts that our Lord has given to us so as to grow the body of Christ. And neither of us, neither of us, none of us here are more important 
than the other. We are all of great importance. Otherwise, God wouldn't have given you the gift that He has so graciously given you. And none of us are more important because we have a a certain gift that might be seen as more important than the other. We are all in this together. As He says in verse 16, we got the whole body working together. Every joint is going to supply. Each individual part is causing the growth. And to show you that for a fact, turn with me, please. Hold you. We haven't even gotten off here in, in Ephesians, but turn with me back, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For those of you visiting, I'm not always this mean. <laughs> I don't know if I'm mean or not, really. But look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm, I'm very serious about our faith. God has impressed upon me the very importance of yours and my faith. And, and it's so easy to, to, to lose direction. It's so easy to, to get off track. And to stop doing what God has called us to do. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says in verse 12, I know I'm, I'm jumping into the right in the middle of all of this, but it says every, even as the body is one, and yet it has many members, all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether we be Jew or Greek, whether we be a slave or free, We are all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, it's many. And then now Paul's going to give us a a very interesting example. He says in verse 15, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body. It is not for, for this reason any the less a part of the body. Going on with this example, he says, if, if, if an ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. He gives us this, this understanding. If the whole body, in verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole body were a hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But God, verse 18, has placed the members, each one of us, in the body just as he desires. And so he is explaining to us, going down from this verse towards the, the end of this particular chapter, explaining for us to us how each one of us are of importance. And then that, that sometimes even the ones that don't seem as important are even more important. And he wants to bring this all together so that there would be unity within the body of Christ. Look, it says that verse 25 there should be no division in the body and the members should have the same care for one another if one member suffers all of the members suffer with it if one member is honored all the members rejoice with it now he says in verse 27 you are christ's body and individually you're members of it and so your ministry my ministry our ministry affects not only this church and its growth But our ministry with one another affects each of us. And that's the mystery. In chapter 3 and verse 9, Paul says, there is a mystery that has been revealed, and that mystery is none other than the church. That God has wonderfully established the church for this day and this age. Where Jew and Gentile, where black and white, where people of all 
faith can come together and help one another grow in our faith. Each one of us are needed. And so what Paul is going to say here, the reason he says in verse 17 that I affirm this together with the Lord is he's going to make a dramatic change in all of our lives, in all of our thinking. He's going to compare the old person with the new person. And so to come to Christ means that you and I have become a new person, new creature. Read with me and see what Paul says in verses 17 to 24. I can think of no more serious place in the Word of God for family of God and the church of God to understand. Paul says in verse 17, This I say therefore and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become callous, having given themselves over to sensuality for the, the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness, But you, you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught in Him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. There's a transformation that Paul is asking to be made in each of our lives. He brings this forth because he is trying to establish with all of his heart this new structure called the church, this mystery, where all of us have a part, where each each joint, each person has a, a part of the growth of one another. And so I believe Paul is so serious that he, he now mentions what is a given fact. And that is he is speaking on behalf of God Almighty. And so he says in verse 17, I say this and I affirm it together with my Lord. Stop walking like a Gentile. Now a Gentile means a non-believer. Start living up to this new person that you are in Christ. Dear Father, this is a wonderful, wonderful warning that we are to, to take upon each of our hearts and, and to consider, Lord. And I know, I know deep within my soul, Father, this would not be a popular message to give at a lot of churches. A lot of people would just be, <gasps> they'd probably suck in so much air they wouldn't know what to do. And they would be perhaps appalled someone would come and try to tell them how to live their lives. But Father God, we have a responsibility that comes from uh, the very essence of who you are. And so if Paul says, I affirm this together with the Lord, so Father, foolishly say my own self that I affirm this together with the Lord. We need to be very serious about what you've given us, this new life. Would you please move me aside, Father, as best you can. Hide me behind the wonders of your words. I pray your blessings upon this 
this particular message perhaps more than any other I've ever given. I pray this within Jesus' precious, precious name. Amen. Between verses 24 and 27 are two basic characteristics I'd like to call the old person seen in verses 17, 18, and 19, along with the new person found in verses 20 to 24. Well, let me tell you what Paul has already said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Most of you know this verse. He says, when you come to believe in Jesus Christ, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they have become what? Do you know? Huh? A new creation. If you come to be in Christ, that person becomes a new creature. Old things have passed away. And what happens? Behold, new things have come. Salvation, folks, is not a matter of you and me striving to make ourselves improved. God doesn't want an improved model of John Werhaus. He doesn't want anything to do with a new, improved John Werhaus. What he wants is a total transformation. He wants John Werhaus to be conformed into the image of his son. So he's not trying to remodel me. Paul says as much. We have, he says, in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we have become buried with Jesus Christ through the baptism of His death in order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in this newness of life. This is critical to your faith and my faith. This is critical to who we are as believers. This is critical to the the Rock Community Church. To believe in Jesus Christ and to receive Him as our Lord and Savior does not mean that you've received something new. It does mean that you now have become someone new. A total transformation. Behold, old things are gone. New things have come. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul gives this revealing testimony He says, I have been crucified with Christ. What does Paul go on to say? He says, it is no longer I who live, but what? Christ now lives in me. And he says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, by faith, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. You want to know how to live the transformed life? Well, it's here in Galatians 2.20. It is purely and simply, it is done by faith. Just as you come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith, so you and I are now to live by that same process. By faith, 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 faith in Jesus Christ. Our new nature is not added to our old self. No, no. Our new nature replaces our old self. Let me give you an example. Best I know how. Let's say you're used to hanging around with your old gang. But to do so means that you'll have to continue to flirt with sin. Sin that keeps on defeating you. What should you do? Well, you don't have to go to seminary to find out the answer to that question. The answer to that question is simple. You simply need to stop meeting with the old gang and find new people who will drive you towards your relationship with Christ, to draw you closer to Him 
But you say, I like my old gang. Uh, you know? Some good old friends. What would Jesus say you should do? Well, he's told us. Hold your place here. Look with me at Matthew chapter 5. You want to see a dramatic, dramatic example of what we're to do? I'll show you. Matthew chapter 5. Jesus Christ himself is going to teach us a very, very hard truth. He says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 29, Listen, if your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out. Throw it from you. Because he says it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Verse 30, if your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off. Throw it from you. Because he says it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Now, by no stretch of the imagination is Jesus Christ telling you and me, pluck out our eye, you know, and throw it away. What he is saying to you is if this thing that you are doing that you constantly do is causing you to fall away from your walk with him, then cut it out. Stop it. One of the greatest things ever happened to me, I've told you many a times, happened to me as a young person who just trusted, not young, I was in my 30s, but a young person in Christ, I was no more than, I don't know, I'm going to guess, a week, two weeks old in the Lord. I had told my friends I became a Christian. And I was sitting with them in a place that we normally sat. And the one guy who was the leader of the pack looked at me and says, we don't want to hang around with you anymore. You become this Christian guy. And I was waiting for some to laugh. There was a table full of friends. Nobody laughed. And he said, get. Get. And I got up. And I walked out of that place. And I remember saying, well, this is a fine mess you've gotten me into, Lord. I just come to now know you, and now I don't have a friend. And I remember walking back towards my place on the Alawai in Waikiki. And you know this story. I start to cry. Oh, didn't cry much before I was a believer. Started to cry. And somewhere in here, I don't know, I heard myself say, Okay, Lord, if it's just you and me, the rest of my life, that will be sufficient. And... Uh, I meant that as seriously as a heart attack. I meant what I said. I think Christ knew my weaknesses. I believe with all my heart, though, my Lord knew my, my insufficiencies, my inability to really walk with Him in an upright fashion. And so He caused, He caused... My friends, to turn from me rather than from me to stay there and flirt with sin. And that's what I would have done had I stayed there. But Jesus Christ did the chopping off 
for me. My strength was I was willing to listen to him. The point is this. You and I must die. We must die to our old selves. We must die to our old desires. We must die to our sin nature. We must cut them off. And with the help of God and faith, we will be able to turn from our old selves into a new person, a new creature. New things have come. It's not brain surgery. Christianity is not brain surgery. If your old habits, if our old habits are holding us back, if they keep us defeated as a believer, then we're to get rid of them and turn to God in His ways and to trust in Him. You know, the trouble is, I'll tell you the trouble is because I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a struggling Christian, you know. Some don't wish to change and therefore they end up living this ho-hum Christian existence, defeated, unfruitful, And Paul is giving us a clear warning. He says there needs to be some changes in our lives. We need to to walk in this newness of life. And so in verses 17, 18, and 19, he tells us what this old life is like. Remember, verse 1 of chapter 4, he says, begging you, entreating you, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Well, here in verse 17, he says, look, you're no longer to walk like the Gentiles walk. That that means those who do not trust in God. Paul strongly confirms what he writes by calling on the words of Jesus Christ, saying in verse 17, I say this, I affirm this together with the Lord. What Paul is saying in verses 17, 18, and 19 is that you cannot do, I cannot do, we cannot do, and we cannot accomplish what God has desires for us by continually continuing to live as we used to live or how the world lives. We can't walk like they walk. And how is that? Well, verse 17, in the futility of their minds, one of the greatest tragedy of mankind is, Paul writes about in Romans chapter 1. He says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 21, just listen, he says, talking about a non-believer, he says, even though they knew God, in other words, they knew there was an existence of God, they didn't honor Him as God, nor did they give thanks to Him as God, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish hearts became darkened. Professing to be wise, Paul wrote, they became fools. And how did they become fools? Why did they become fools? Because he said in the next verse, they exchanged the glory of an incorruptible God for an image in the form of a corruptible man. In other words, they were following the ways of the world instead of the ways of God. You see, as verse 17 clearly states, Paul affirms together with the Lord, we're no longer to walk like the Gentiles. That is a non-believer. Let's stop here for a moment. Let's get really serious about this message. Turn with me, please. Hold your place here. Turn with me, please, to 1 Peter. It's to the right. I'm going to wait for you to get there because I want you to read what Peter writes. It's so 
if you've not read it before or if you've not looked at it before, we need to look at it with the seriousness of what Paul is saying about this newness of life that we ought to have. We need to get serious about our faith, people. Look what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. Look at verse 3 with me for a moment. He says in verse 3, The time has already passed. It's sufficient for you to have carried out the desires of the Gentiles. In other words, stop it. Stop living like a non-believer. Grow up. You've sinned enough. The time already has passed. It has been sufficient for you to carry out the Gentiles of the, of the desire of the Gentiles, pursuing a course of sensuality, a course of lusts, of drunkenness, of carousing, drinking parties, of domino idolatries. These days, Peter is saying, are over with. They're done. Verse 4, in all of this, they, talking about those who do these things, who live in this sin, they're surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you. In other words, they want you with them. They want you to keep on partying, keep on sinning. They're surprised that you don't run with them anymore. It's like Paul said in Romans chapter 1. Listen again. Don't leave here. Don't leave 1 Peter. Stay here for a second. But listen to Romans 1.32. Although they knew the ordinances of God, he wrote, those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, watch this now, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. In other words, they want you to do the same thing as them. They want you to do this sin that they're entangled in. What does Peter say? You want to see a, 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 just a, I don't know how to put the word into it. This verse, verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, these people, they, these non-believers, their, verse 5, they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Christian, we don't want to walk that road. We're to grow into something much better. We're to become distinct distinct from the rest of this world. We're not to walk like the world. First John tells us in the second chapter, the 15th verse, don't love the world nor the things of the world. That is a clear warning. But here Paul reminds us how we are to walk in verse 17. In verse 17 says the old person, it talks about using our minds. Verse 18, he speaks of a, a darkness. Verse 18, I should say. He speaks of a darkness, a lack of understanding, an, an ignorance. I'm back in Ephesians chapter 4, if I didn't mention, I'm sorry. He talks about, in verse 18, a hardness of the heart. In verse 19, he talks about becoming calloused. Whereas in verses 20 and 21, he talks of learning and being taught, meaning that the Word of God is what will bring our minds out of Verses 17, 18, and 19, this darkness, this lack of understanding, this ignorance, this hardness of our hearts, this callousness. Paul reasons in verse 20 that you and I, we did not learn Christ in this way. Now we're not only to think differently, but we are ultimately to act differently. And since we are to use our minds, our transformation begins... Look at verse 23. It begins when we are renewed 
in the spirit of our minds. Listen, our transformation must begin within our minds, knowing the Word of God, trusting upon the faith of God. You know, this society in which we live today, this, this, this area and, 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 and this time in which we live, it, it is a society that, that likes to think of themselves as highly educated. You know, the elite. You, you hear about it every once in a while. The people who look down on, say, middle America certainly look down on those of us who go to church. You mean to say you get up at 8.15 in the morning? No, you have to get up earlier than that. You go to church on a Sunday morning when you can sleep in, you're crazy. You're absolutely insane. And they look down upon us, these people of, quote-unquote, higher education. And yet Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 7, he said that these people, these people who call themselves highly educated, they're always learning, and yet they are never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is pure and simple, the society in which we live today. We live in a society that that, that things are getting more and more technology. There's so much technology now, it's incredible. I mean, really, it's incredible. All the things that we can do. I mean, years ago, who could have thought you could be watching a football game on television? And with the push of a button, a guy could be running to catch a pass and you could stop him and float right there. You can freeze him. I've always said that TiVo has saved my marriage. Yeah, it is. Kay will come in and ask me a question in the middle of a wonderful football game and instead of saying, not now, not now, not now, I can go, boop. And that guy stops and I can listen to anything she wants to say for as long as she wants to take. Who would have thought that we could have done that some years ago? We have become so highly educated. And yet, Paul says, even though they learn and they learn and they learn, they cannot come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because in Ephesians 4, 18 and 19, because Scripture tells us that those who reject Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, verse 18, they've become darkened in their understanding. They have excluded themselves from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they have become callous. They've given themselves over to sensuality, the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. You see, Satan has blinded the eyes of those who have rejected Jesus Christ. Paul says as much. 2 Corinthians 4.4, he says, The God of this world, namely Satan, has blinded people from seeing Jesus Christ. And so we're to reach these people. We're to be serious about this life we live. We're to stop being like this old person that that used to say, give me, give me, give me, I want, I want, I want, or whatever it is that we kind of did, and we are to become a new creature. Listen to what Paul says in the book of Titus, the first chapter, the 15th verse. You can look at it later. He says, to the pure, all things are pure. But he says, to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. 
But their minds and their conscience has become defiled. With all respect, ladies and gentlemen, that's the condition of our society today. And that's the condition of a lot of people who write emails and tell you that they're believers, but they don't go to church. Shame on us. May we as a body of believers not allow that to take place. May we as a body of believers know what it says in verses 20 through 24 of Ephesians chapter 4. We did not learn Jesus Christ in that way. We're to become involved. As Paul wrote in verse 16, every joint is needed. The working of every individual part is going to cause the growth of the body or the building up of itself in love. It has to begin here. It must begin here. We must equip one another. We must serve one another. We must build up one another so that we can go out into this wretched society in which we live and win people one by one by one by one to Christ so that they might know our Savior. And folks, we must help teach the younger generation. We've been blessed at this church. We've been blessed at this church beyond your wildest and my wildest dream. We have young people who are alive, alive with a desire to know Christ and to pass it along to their friends. And I will help them accomplish that. Somehow, some way, I dedicate myself to that. And so I want you and me to grow up. Paul does. No, God does. Paul affirms together with the Lord, let's not be this old person. Behold, we are to become new. Not a new revision of who you are, but a total transformation. One of the greatest privileges I have had as a believer in Jesus Christ. Now I grant you, and I came from a place of pretty good sin, if you can call sin good. But when some of my old friends see me anymore, they say, man, you've really changed, haven't you? You've really changed. That's one of the nicest compliments I've ever received. May we all change. Father God in heaven, would you minister to our hearts in such a way that we can't miss what you're saying to us. May we listen closely to Paul when he says, Therefore I affirm together with the Lord, don't walk anymore like a Gentile or a non-believer. Rather, put on this new self. Have a total transformation. Become a new person. Lord, I pray your blessings upon us, each and every single one of us here in this room and those in the next service and those last night. Would you, Father, touch all of our hearts, I pray, that we might hear your heart. I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you all so much.